I'm Bianca Vivion, and this is Ask Viv. What a milestone! Happy Valentine's Day! Welcome to episode 20, the Love Edition. And this is a milestone today for one, it's episode 20. Two, we are now on Spotify. Three, this is the second ever love edition. And there's something so special about doing something. Think it's a one-off. You think it's a fluke. I had only been eight episodes in when I did our last love edition. So to come here 12 episodes later, a year later, stronger than ever, more in love with life than ever, I can only say I'm just so, so thankful. It's so funny because I started soliciting love questions for the love edition and At some point, I must have told you all that I was not qualified to answer questions on love because I start going through my inbox and every single question starts, well, I know that you're not qualified to talk about love. I thought that was so funny. But the truth is that that was a lie because love is the only thing that I've ever talked about. And I know sometimes I'll pretend to be talking about politics, careers, or dreams, or religion, but I'm always talking about love. Covertly, overtly, subtly, not so subtly talking about love. Love is the only thing I've ever wanted to talk about. Every essay that I've ever written, maybe it seems like it's about race, history, but it's always a love letter because love for me is the only reason that I work. I've tried to live without it and I've talked about that, but all it takes is me stepping out into the world for the slightest bit, being so undone by the deficit of the world. And I always retreat into love. I've survived without a lot and I've had very little money, nowhere to go to call my own, but I have never been able to go without love. I was honestly dreading the love episode because I kept thinking that a year ago, waking up next to a man that I was so in love with, I went to the spa, then I went and picked out an evening gown, went to the most beautiful jazz club at the top of New York City overlooking Central Park and watched a South African jazz band play over a four course meal and I felt like a princess today, woke up in a bed big enough to love myself, and I thought about how the only time that I ever feel a lack or a deficit of love is when I'm feeling lost, when I'm feeling out of myself, because the minute that I focus, the minute that I wake up, I look in the mirror, I walk outside, I talk, I answer the phone, my best friend called me all the way from the Middle East just to tell me happy Valentine's Day, and I think to myself, there is no lack of love. And I'll give you an example. The other day, I'm rushing to this talk that I have to give, running super late because the trains aren't starting, took a train, had to hop off, standing on the platform having this panic attack, thinking, oh my god, if I'm late, this is going to be a disaster. And all of a sudden, I hear this voice say, excuse me. I say, yes. Are you Bianca Vivion? I say, yeah, I am. I listened to your podcast. The most beautiful 17-year-old black girl just standing on that platform. And I am literally overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. I'm thinking to myself, this is the strangest thing because I'm right down the street from my house. 
And I had no idea I even had a listenership in Harlem. And we get on the train together and she's going to work and telling me that she just got into college and we're talking about life and I'm talking about the show. And after we had that conversation, she gets off the train. I'm still on the train just consumed in this interaction that was so loving. Her name is Cheyenne and Cheyenne, if you're listening, shout out to you because that interaction just gave me so much confidence because I remembered exactly why I do what I do. And all of the anxiety that I was having, all of the frustration at time, I'm thinking to myself all of the worst thoughts of what if you fail, but lo and behold, you step out into the world, you're never too far from love. And that experience, it kept me going, not just for that day, but the next day and the next day, because I realized that I I work because of people like Cheyenne. And I do this show out of love. And so here I am, again, a year later, 12 episodes later from the last love edition. And I've learned so, so, so much about love. The possibilities of love. If you open up your life to a possibility of love, how much people will surprise you. How the slightest bit of faith placed in somebody can show you possibilities for life, for work, for dreams, for inspiration that you never would have known. And it's been so funny that every time that I take the chance on loving someone, they always go above and beyond to show me things about myself, things about them that I never would have guessed. It's crazy how love will make people rise to the occasion. It's so funny because I think about how much of a closed person I was at one point. When I arrived in New York, I remember feeling so closed off to love because I felt like the world was just too big and too important for me. And every single person that I would meet, I would think this person would never want to love somebody like me. Somebody that comes from this kind of place or doesn't have this kind of thing or doesn't look this kind of way. But when I tell you every single time that I've opened up the door of my life a little bit, just cracked it, let out the slightest bit of love, how the people in my life have shown me possibilities I would have never ever expected. Friends that I have, so deeply in love with my friends, I would think to myself, this kind of person would never like a person like me. I remember when I met one of my close friends, Dexter, we had architecture class together, and he's this six foot tall, gorgeous black guy, genius, I mean, design genius. And I remember watching him work and listening to jazz, and I remember thinking, wow, this guy's so cool. He would never love somebody like me. And it was so funny because I told him, you know, I'm trying to recover from the bleakness of my romantic life. So this Valentine's Day is going to be whatever. And he said, oh, forget that. I'll take you out to dinner on Friday. I felt so acknowledged. And I think about my best friend, Laura, who she's so, so brilliant. And I used to sit around and just listen to her speak about her interests, just a breadth of knowledge, been everywhere in the world, has every kind of interest, smarter than me me and I thought wow somebody like that would never want to be friends with somebody like me and now I couldn't imagine my life without her I have some of the most beautiful male friends that you've ever seen I mean truly I have a friend Joseph and Cleon and Rinaldi these are men that just they look like professional models and when you see them you're thinking what an intense 
intimidating face, these beautiful men. I would see them on the internet or at a party or whatever, and I would think, wow, these are gorgeous, gorgeous men. I bet that they're not kind because they don't have to be. And yet you show them the slightest bit of love and they open up to you in ways that you don't even know that men can open up because that is what happens when you love somebody. They rise to the occasion. They show up for you in ways that you didn't imagine. Love has taught me more about myself than anything ever could. And yes, self-love is important. And on every other episode, 19 episodes long, we talk about self-love. But today I want to talk about the necessity of loving other people, of opening up your life to the possibility of love for others, because love can transform life, can transform time even in ways that you've never imagined. I think of my best friend Miles, and it's so funny because I think of our relationship and I think, wow, I've known this poor person since I was 14. This is somebody who was there on my 14th birthday and this fall he'll be 25. And I'm like, where did all of the years go? I remember him teaching me how to drive. I remember him taking me to junior prom and senior prom. I remember him showing up at my college graduation, showing up at my high school graduation and the years just mount themselves again and again. And you just wonder how, despite the fact that I've moved so many different places and life has gone so many different ways and there's been so many supporting characters in between that moment that we met and yet it's sustained by love true love real love we always tell people well you know you can't love somebody if you don't love yourself that's a huge trope especially in current culture people say you can't love somebody until you love yourself but it's not true because you know the thing is is that I didn't even have a conception of self-love until I was maybe 15, 16, 17 years old, low self-esteem, deeply insecure, feeling on my own in the world. And yet I had always been loved. My mother and my father had been loving me for years. My friends loving me for years. And so it's not about necessarily loving yourself. The reason why I loved myself is because other people loved me. Because I would be searching for love. I would be searching for self-love and it was in other people's eyes. My mother had a patience with me that I wanted for myself. My friends had a generosity towards me that I wanted for myself. They had a confidence in me that I wanted for myself. Inspiration, belief in my dreams. Friends that told me I could before I ever believed I would. People that because of their expectation, I wanted to be better. Because of their kindness, I wanted to be better to myself, just so I could extend myself to them in a way that could reciprocate and mirror all the love that they had given me. I only love myself because other people loved me. So if you're feeling disappointed or despairing or defeated or looking in the mirror and just not seeing enough, just not getting all of the possibility that life has for you, and you just can't find it because on days some days even I still cannot find it you call up the one who loves you and you don't feel any sense of loss because even for a second if somebody's loving you everything feels okay and so today on the love episode I want to talk about the possibility for love loving others so let's get into these questions because you know That's my favorite part. Dear Viv, when is it too young to start having sex and sexual relations with other people? And what are your thoughts on premarital sex? You all ask me a lot, what are my thoughts on premarital sex? 
ask me my thoughts on marriage. I definitely think it is a very strange idea that people would wait until they're married to have sex for the first time. I've had men who have later on become friends who when I meet them, there will be an intellectual attraction and an emotional drive, something pulling us towards one another. But when it was finally realized through sex, we realized that we were better off as friends. And it was no less valid of a love because the truth is we were supposed to be together. But when the language of love was not translated through sex, it's when we understood that we had no business being romantic partners. So I think that sex should be a separate conversation from marriage because it depends on the reasons that you want to get married. Some people want to get married because they want a lifelong teammate. And that's a lot of my honestly non-American friends who view marriage as just a lifelong partnership. And then there are other people who marry because they are deeply in romantic love. And they think, I want to be with you in every way that a person can be with a person. I want to make some babies. I want to be on some Will and Jada type thing. So really... Marriage is an institution that people enter for so many different reasons that I don't know if sex is the best place to have a conversation in conjunction with marriage. So that's that on that. When is too young to start having sex? I can't tell you when is too young to start having sex, but I can tell you that I lost my virginity at 15 years old and it was too young. And it wasn't a violating or traumatic experience. And it's funny that I would even have to disclaim that because so many people's first sexual experience is it was loving, it was in a bed, it was with somebody that I was in love with at the time, and it's still one of the closest people on earth to me. But I had not yet understood that my body was my own. Because the thing is, is that when you're horny as a teenager... And you think to yourself, I just need to get off. I just need to have some sex because I have all these other emotions that are driving me, this attraction to this person that when you do finally have sex, often as a, as a girl, realize that it doesn't feel good. It's painful. And I remember being 16 and asking my mom, was sex supposed to hurt? And my mom was like, no. And I remember listening to Jada Kiss and Genuine and sex is about pain, you know? And I'm thinking to myself, is sex about pain? Is it gonna hurt? And it wasn't until I understood the concept of pleasure that I understood that things were supposed to feel good and that there was supposed to be a language that was to be spoken between two people and bodies. And I wish that more parents would give their teenagers vibrators, things that could show you that there are avenues and that you should be sexually exploratory when you start to have hormonal changes and when you start to have urges, but to make sure that you're sure and not just sure in your body, which your body can be very sure, but sure with the other parts of yourself too, and that you have full agency over situations so that you don't feel taken from. Because there were situations that I wouldn't necessarily call assault, but I wasn't 
fully there. And I realized that I hadn't, because I was young, after years of, of being sexually active, I can't give myself away in that way. For me to give my body to somebody in that way, it's me saying, you're worth the risk. I desire you strongly. I want to be present in this moment with you and share something that I've otherwise kept solely to myself. But that's just me. That's just me. And this is one of those questions that I can't pretend to speak in a universalism. Sex is different for everybody. But as an adult, you find that you can tell that story and sex can be an empowering thing. Sex can be a fun thing. You know, I have friends that they hoe all the way out multiple partners, all different kinds of tricks and toys. I mean, freaky for real. And I love it. Safe sex is great sex. A great man once said, safe sex, healthy sex, sex that starts with yes and ends with yes is good sex. But until you even have that ability to understand the stakes, all of these kinds of knowledge are the kinds of knowledge that equip one for good sex. And obviously you can't be fully prepared for sex, honestly, until you have sex. But there are certain things that you should know about yourself, including your sexuality. Because I have a lot of friends who were fundamentally gay. I I know gay women who lost their virginity to men and it was always going to be a violating experience because they hadn't yet known their sexuality. And these are things that if you explore these conversations with yourself, if you're real about your desires with yourself and understand the things that you fundamentally like, don't like, desire, do not desire, are inclined to, are not inclined to, when you have access to real private space, because that's something a lot of teenagers don't have access to actual privacy that's necessary to have good sex, then you're going to go through a hard time. For all my young listeners, if you have sex before you are prepared fully mentally, emotionally to have sex, you're going to go through a hard time. If you give your body to another person, hoping that that will elicit a visceral emotional reaction, and they don't, it's gonna be a hard time. And I've been there, you're gonna feel used. If you give your body to someone as a favor in exchange for their emotional interest in you, if you start by kissing and you like the kissing and don't like what it leads to, you're going to have a hard time. You're going to have a hard time. I've been there and I wish that somebody would have told me these things and that's why I have to be completely transparent and honest If you have sex before you learn just simply how to say no, how to say yes, how to say stop, how to touch somebody, because there's also a lot of people, I'm not going to name names, men, who don't know how to have sex with somebody else, who have been having sex since since they were 12 years old, and so they jackrabbit hammer into people like they're beating on concrete. And I'm talking about 27, 28, 32, 40-year-old men who have no idea how to have sex because they had sex too early and they know that they can get as much sex as they want from whoever they want. They know nothing about servicing others in sex. All of these things play into age, believe it or not, as much as people do or do not want to admit. And so the more equipped that you are to have it when the time comes in a fully right state, 
the better it will be. And you can have literally a lifetime of great sex because you know what? If anything else runs out and love runs out in life, money runs out, time runs out. But people are always having sex. Sex is the ever-present People have been having sex since the beginning of time. And right as the sun goes black, listen, Stevie Wonder, I'll be loving you. Dear Viv, I'm quote unquote with this guy who's older and in the midst of getting his life together due to something in his past. Anyway, exclusivity came up and he basically told me that there are people in his life that he can't quote unquote abandon because they were with him when he was going through a situation also known as he doesn't want to commit. I'm conflicted because he treats me unlike anyone else and goes above and beyond for me, but I feel very insecure knowing there are other women. Please help. You know, the funny thing about having an advice show is that the entire premise of the show, how the show works is with the assumption that you all will bring me questions and I will always have the answers. And I think that what's funny and what become so difficult is sometimes so many times I'm going through the same exact things that you all are going through and sometimes it's because we're the same age or the same race or gender or just because we're all living in the same time period that we find ourselves in the same issues at the same time. So I can't tell you what to do because I was in such a similar situation and I recorded this so many times trying to wax poetic, pretending like I could find the authority to tell you whether or not to stay or go. And so rather than try to pretend like I could predict your future or my own future in a similar situation, I can only tell you what I've learned in the past that I know to be true about love and what I know to be true is that love concedes the advantage every single time and I've said so many times on this show that love is not ownership and so we may want people to belong to only us and we may feel entitled to people's time or attention or bodies but at the end of the day none of those things comprise love love is commitment to somebody and I think that the funny thing is is that we are so taught through so many different media of art and television music and movies that you will go through a bunch of turmoil with a person and then all of a sudden especially with men and women that at the end of all of that turmoil that the man is going to choose you and so you can justify all that you've given up and having loved unconditionally because in the end he will choose you but what I've learned that in reality is that the choosing happens every single day and no matter what the circumstances were in love it was a mutual choosing that happened every day that sustained the relationship and it's not about choosing him or about him choosing you but above all about choosing love and love is patient love is kind love does not panic love does not act out of fear love does not seek entitlement or ownership and i think that what complicates these sorts of relationships is when you factor in sex 
jealousy, who gets what and how resources are distributed among counterparts, that you begin to feel shorted or slighted. Sometimes choosing love means being apart from somebody when you know you're going to ask an impossible thing of them. Sometimes I brought a man an ultimatum and I said my way or the highway. And when it wasn't my way, I said this person doesn't love me. You never know quite how strong your love is for somebody until you watch them love something or someone else. And I'm finding that my own strength is being tested by this lesson. But then I think of all of the people who have ever loved me and no matter how many times I moved away or I chose my dreams or my destiny or I had to be by myself or I had to have somebody else who could do something else for me that I desperately needed and how many people stuck around just to watch me grow up because choosing love was more important than owning me. And on the contrary, I remember men who told me so often that they had loved me, but the minute that that meant watching me love someone else or watching me love myself, the minute that they were supposed to concede the advantage that I had always given them, I realized that they did not love me much at all. And love asks us to sacrifice the upper hand. Circumstances are always changing, and I find that a lot of times that people can obfuscate situations they can make things more complicated than they seem they can say this is because of this because everything is so complicated and it's because when things are confusing when the truth is in the dark then people can always make excuses to get what they want when the truth stands by itself the truth is all there is and sometimes the fact of the matter is that two people should not be together in a certain way because one thing that i've learned over and over again that i'm learning every single day is that there's no right way to do the wrong thing and there's not even a right way to do the right thing at the wrong time with growing up it's always so difficult trying to sustain young love because there are always these circumstances and you're wondering how am I going to sustain this love while also maintaining the love that I have for myself? Is there any compatibility between the two? And the answer is yes. There is a compatibility between the two and it's a hard fight between finding what you want and what you need. And perhaps this person is who you want, but romance between you all at this point in time is not what you need. And well, you're telling me, well, that sucks. <laughs> you're telling me that that's hard. I know that it's hard. I didn't say that for you, I said it for me. I said it for me. At one point, I was throwing temper tantrums and I was so angry because I thought, how could something so perfect that I so desired hurt me? And it was because at the time it was not what I needed. And for a while, I tried to ignore what I needed. I tried to sacrifice what I needed just to get what I wanted and that was wrong. And so what do you do in that situation? Well, let me tell you a little bit about growing up. Let me tell you about what it meant for me to become a woman and what it means every single day to grow up is learning to desire what I need. Sometimes in romance, we so fixate and we just think, I want this person. I want to own this person, but that's not how it goes. The truth is we have to let love live. We have to get what we need and we have to learn to desire what we need even when it's not what we want. And even though it seems like that time might never come, the time when romantic love thrives the most is when 
what you want is exactly what you need. When those two things intersect, and I know that I've given you more questions than answers, and I don't have any rock solid advice for you to lean on, because the truth is, is that we participate in things that we know may not be the right time, may not be the right circumstances. We participate in what we're going to participate in until we're tired, until it wears us out, until there's no longer a point where we can ignore our obvious needs. Sometimes when people do things for us, things that we like heighten our self-esteem, bring us gifts. All of this can feel like being chosen until they walk away and you feel so left without. And when our values are in the wrong thing, when our values are in pleasure or a feeling, feeling good, looking good together, when our values are placed in that, then we can put love on the back burner, honesty, devotion, commitment. And you know, the thing is, is that I've also found is that often men will claim to be honest. They will say, well, I told you what's up. I told you there was other women or I told you I was in this kind of situation and now I'm in this kind of situation and later on you're thinking I'm not going to play the victim and no the truth is that you're not a victim and he's going to tell you that he didn't lie to you and it's true sometimes they don't lie to you sometimes they don't even lie about you but sometimes in order to get what people want they lie about the dynamic that's happening between you. They lie about what they're actually able to provide you emotionally, which is the foremost urgent and critical need of any relationship is what people can provide you emotionally, real love, love that goes in with both eyes open, love that will work. And so what do you do when you so badly want somebody, but it feels like maybe it's not the right time or there's something that's just a little bit off and you may be calling it insecurity when really it's something much deeper well let me tell you what i've learned the key is when it feels good and for as long as you possibly can you hold on to it and you love that person fearlessly and you remain present in the moment but when the truth is revealed you accept that truth you swallow that truth you grow up because love is a growing up and if the truth tells you to let them go if the truth tells you that there's no way that you can sustain something without destroying yourself if the truth tells you that that person cannot provide you with the kind of devotion and commitment that you so deserve then you take all of the courage that you can muster because it takes courage you take all of the lessons that you've ever learned about self-love and self-esteem. You take all the love that you have for that person, all the nostalgia, every good thing that comes out of loving another person. You internalize those things and then you let it go. And maybe like the love songs say, it comes back to you. And sometimes we are blessed and the same person that we let go we find somewhere down the line that it is the right place and the right time and you can make a space for eternity. But if not, then you take the knowledge that you are better for having loved and you take everything that that person taught you. You leave the resentment, the chip on your shoulder, the stuff that you think that you're owed, the thing that doesn't work out, the idea of all the other people, the idea that he may have chosen somebody else. You leave that on the back end because it's not love and it does nothing for you as time passes. You leave those things but you take the things that made you better, stronger, softer, more able to love, more resilient towards life, because that's what love does for us. And you go and you love somebody else. You love a bunch of people again and
and again and again and again and you do it however long it takes to get through this lifetime. Dear Viv, how are you able to balance being a logical and emotional person? I am very much a thinker and all in my head, but I find that I lack emotion often. It's apparent in my friendships too. I care for my friends, but I never feel the need to say, quote unquote, I love you. It feels unnatural to me. Sometimes it's scary how much I don't feel or care about things. As I've been growing, I have finally felt sad as parts of my old self have died and are shedding, but it's just so rare for me. I just want to keep growing. This show, people come to me asking for what they feel is rational advice. And perhaps because people submit questions anonymously, they think in some way that I am an objective or rational third party. But the truth is my feelings are all up in it. And I think the reason why I so love thought and I consider myself a thinker before I consider myself any other kind of person is because of how thoughts can bring meaning to feelings and how feelings can bring meaning to thought and how you realize that you are neither a thinking or feeling person but you are so much of everything at all at one time you know I used to sit in university we would talk about slavery or we would talk about genocide or about racism, whatever it was. And I would get so riled up. I remember distinctly classes that I would break down crying. One day I talked about prison abolition and I just was breaking down crying. I mean, I was uncontrollably crying and nobody could understand why. And I could not separate the subject matter, the feeling of it from what I had been thinking about it. Because for me, they're so interconnected. And I think that when people try to separate the two, that they miss out on the best of life for the simple fact that love is an intelligence. Love is not purely emotional by any means. Love is so strategic on so many forefronts. Love is so strategic because evil is strategic. And at any given time, I'm having to use emotional intelligence. Kindness is a kind of intelligence to best the very strategic hate and evil that exists in my day-to-day life and the world. I actively choose love through an intelligent process and I think that it's funny that people think of me in some way as a rational person and an emotional person when in reality if you're living well you're embracing all of these things. I know when people usually shut off an emotional side or when they shut off a rational or logical side it's always out of fear. Fear of what will happen if you open it up. And it's so funny that purely rational thinkers, quote unquote, you know, I meet a lot of atheists, for example, people who just strictly believe in what they can see. They act like it is out of some kind of bravado or higher character or intelligentsia, but in reality, it's a lot of fear. Fear of the unknown, fear of what would happen if they relinquished themselves to the possibility of loss, fear of what would happen if they were at the mercy of their emotions. But that's just half-ass living. And I know people that live completely out of emotions and they are always at the whim and the mercy of their own emotions. And that's no way to live either because you end up with so many regrets without thinking through the things that you say, the way that you do things. And I think that it's recognizing that love is a process 
of intelligence, but also so much of love for me is admitting that I do not know. So many times for how smart people think I am, I'm not 17 anymore. When I was 17, I didn't know a damn thing about love. And I thought that I had to know everything. And I thought that if I knew some things, then I had to say something. And it didn't matter if it was the right time to say it or who it would hurt or what I knew, I had to share information. And information was a means to an end for controlling the world around me. But when I discovered love, and as I've gotten older, I've realized that love is the thing that equips information for use in the world to do good. It is with love that I know when to speak and what is useful to say and what is not useful to say and how to apologize and how to use information for the betterment of others. I think that we live in a world where people, they get as much information as possible. And even for people that are, you know, activist types, social justice warrior types, they think I've got all this information. Let me weaponize it against people so that I can control everything around me so that I can cancel this person so that I can say who's good and who's bad. And I can be the arbiter of judgment over everybody. But the issue with that is that you forget about love. Love is what allows me to see information, internalize information, and say how can I use this to make the lives of other people easier. It's not about saving others. It's not about making myself an exalted figure of intelligence or rationality. It's about making it a bit easier to breathe, saying, hey, I've learned this. This is something I know. This is information that we can use to make it easier for everybody to live. I think that a lot of people who live purely through information, I just can't tell the difference between them and the police a lot of times. It's a surveillance state. It said, look what I know, and how are we gonna use this to punish people? I'm not into punishment through information. Learning how to think and feel at the same time has been as natural to me as just growing up. But I also can say that a lot of it is that I have a lot of courage. I'm not afraid to be wrong. And I think that people who consider themselves cold, deeply rational people have a deep, deep set fear of being wrong. And if you just let yourself off the hook a little bit, open yourself up to life, say, I didn't know, tell me more, you find that even information sharing among people is a loving process. And honestly, it's harder to show love than to say I love you. And I'm learning that every single day because I was one of those people that could always say I love you. But for a long time, I had a really big difficulty being hugged. You know, my best friend, she's Latin and she always gives me kisses. And I used to think that was so weird and I would just be so anti, you know, it's not a really big thing among black American people, the whole cheek kiss thing. But it's okay to open yourself up and let life happen. That's what happens when you trust the people around you. It's okay to trust life a little bit. You don't have to play God over your own life and over circumstances. You allow room for love. And like I said before, it changes you in ways you didn't even know. People think that I'm this very, very smart person. Sure, maybe. Maybe I'm that much more intelligent than the next person. Maybe I have a crazy genius rational mind, but I know what's really behind what they're seeing. It's love, it's always been love. There's not a book that you can read to make somebody move through the world the way that I do. There's not a manual, there's not a university that you can attend. It's just love, it's love that's done it, that it has allowed me to be free enough to think when I can think and feel when I can feel. Sometimes 
my brain gets in the way and I can't feel anything and I have to just shut it off, go watch reality TV or allow myself the pleasure of thinking nothing. And sometimes I'm so caught up in my emotions that I just have to sit down and read a book and be like, can somebody make something feel rational just to feel okay? You need all of it to feel fully human, you do. And you shouldn't deny yourself the pleasure of life out of a fear of being wrong or a fear of not being understood. And if you show love, if you know love, then you do say I love you. There's so many cultures where love is not articulated in the way that we do in English speaking cultures. You don't say I love you. Sometimes there's gender roles that don't even allow people to say I love you. Sometimes you just have to show it and mean it and know that people know it. There are people that waited years to tell me that they love me and imagine the relief on their face when I said, you know what, but I knew that. And I've had so many people say, well, how did you know? How did you know that I loved you? And I said, I knew because I felt it. I had an intelligence to perceive love because I allowed myself to feel it. And that that's freedom, friend, that's freedom. That is all the time that we have for today. Let me just end by saying this, everyone, is at a different stage of learning how to love. I was one of those people that I thought I knew everything about love. If you had told me a year ago that I didn't understand a thing about love, I would have called you a liar because I had read all of the Morrison, so much James Baldwin I knew about radical love, Augustinian love, platonic love, romantic love, erotic love. I had done all the philosophy homework in the world. I did so much writing about love, but it's so different when you have to live it. And I've seen in the last year love through sacrifice. I've seen love through letting go. I've seen love through holding on. I've seen love even in watching my mother mourn her father. So much love, different kinds of love, love that I've never known before. And I think that conceding to my own ignorance, understanding that knowing love will take a lifetime. It's something that at one point made me feel so small and so young. I was in so many failed quote unquote romances that I thought, why am I so young? I've never hated my age so much. If I could just get another 20 years, 40 years of wisdom shrunk into the time of three minutes, then I could really be equipped to fully love. But that's not how it works. You see, you can't go over it. You got to go through it. And so instead of letting it anger me or make me feel scared or small or young. I'm just letting it excite me, the possibility of love. I'm letting it be the thing that wakes me up in the morning and go out to do what I do. I'm letting it be the thing that guides me through the life decisions that I make foremost and more than anything. I say, am I doing this out of love? Am I saying this out of love? Love has become so much more than a part-time job for me. It's become the guiding force that is at the beginning and end of every single decision that I make. Am I doing this because I want to look smarter? Am I doing this because I want to be richer? Or is there an urgency that I'm putting this out because I know that people need love? We're living in a very bleak state, y'all. Like the political state of the world, the financial state, like everything feels like it's coming to an end. And the only thing that makes things feel new again, the renewing force is love. And I'm not referring to romantic love. I'm not talking about finding 
that one person that makes you feel really good or makes your body feel really warm and so you grip onto that person so that you don't have to deal with all of the other craziness circulating in the atmosphere no i'm talking about taking all of the love that you can get from other people from yourself love learned love lost you take all of it and internalizing it and going out into the world with it so that you can have some courage this show it's so funny when i think about how it started 20 episodes ago i remember the first time that i had put out a call for submissions for questions and i only had eight questions and i said if anybody has a question about anything at all and you know what's so funny is that At first, you all would ask me about these really concrete subjects. You would say, what do you think about colorism? Or what do you think about the beauty industry? Or what do you think about abstract expressionism? And I have a lot of people say to me, like, wow, the show really changed. Like, you're not talking about these things anymore. But, you know, it's a question-driven show. And it's changed so much because you all have trusted me enough to ask about your darkest secrets and your deepest desires. And despite it even being anonymous, I can't imagine the courage that it takes to just lay down your heart and say, this is what I'm going through. And as much as you all might think that you trust to ask or trust to listen, because I am that much smarter or wiser or whatever, it's not. You all had the courage to bring me these questions and these thoughts because I had the courage to open up a space and say, guess what, I've been through that too. To say, guess what, I'm not as important as I may seem and I'm not as as smart as I come off. I'm not as sure of myself, I'm scared too. I don't know what's gonna happen either. And yes, I have some thoughts, some predictions, some musings, some ideologies and some theories. It's not gonna help me through as much as us just working it out together. And people can call it whatever they want, But at the end of the day, it's love. And I'm so proud to be able to have created and used a medium to show you all just how much I love you. And I just hope that as this show goes on and we get to episode 40 and episode 60, that you all know that every time that I'm in front of this microphone, it's out of love. And that if nobody else in this world loves you, I love you and I'm wishing you all the days to come that the love of tomorrow is better than the love of yesterday. And that if you're stuck between a rock and a hard place and you're finding it hard to love, that you find the courage to love again. I'm Bianca Vivion, and if you ever need anything at all, you can always ask Viv. I think about the day I met the perfect stranger. I think about us. Think about the day I got wrapped around your finger. I think about us. The sun was shining on you. The Lord was smiling on me. And love was calling us. Had my mind made up And I can't stop loving you I can't help myself And I can't get over 
yourself, baby. Never thought I'd ever love anyone else in my weakness. I think about us. And I think about the day you left without speaking. I think about us. Come over. 